Thank you, Malcolm. Hallelujah. How do we go? <sighs> Hallelujah. <sighs> Let's bow our heads, bow our hearts. Father, we thank you that you provided everything that pertains to life and living, everything we need in the here and now. We thank you. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for the Holy Spirit ministering to us. We thank you for your forgiveness, for your broken body, that by it we can be healed, that by your stripes we are healed. We thank you for your blood that washes away our sins and covers every sin we pray that you help us to walk with a with a broken and contrite heart toward our sins before you we ask you to help us to walk with that full awareness toward others we ask for your help in our time of need. We thank you that today we gather just as we always are and always have been meant to be in your sight, a body. Your body. So we thank you. We commit this time to you, Lord. Come and speak to your people through your word. all the praise in Jesus name amen amen well, good morning everyone good morning it's good to see everybody it's lovely to see you well we're gonna look at ourselves today in scripture it's a unique way to look at ourselves scripture describes us exactly as we are and so we're going to look into the Word of God today. So I hope you got your Bibles. I hope you're ready to take some notes. Got a bunch of Scripture references. You won't want to miss them. But if you do miss them, I can send you notes. If this message needs a title. It's called His Bride. We are His Bride. Yeah. Amen? First and foremost, pre most preeminent for us, above all things, we are His Bride. Yeah. Last week I spoke about... Uh, one of God's most preeminent characteristics, that he is faithful and true. Jesus is faithful and true. Amen. His preeminent characteristic. For us, we are the bride. So we're going to look at the bride in Scripture today. You know, as, as I'm sharing with you today, we're really looking at our story, God's story for us, of us, in Scripture today. You can get so much out of this. And you're going to be thinking, oh, oh, that's really interesting from a big picture point of view, but you've got to be able to see how it applies to you, how it applies to us. You've got to be able to bring it back to that point. You know, our salvation was, is accomplished at the moment that we accept that Jesus Christ is God, come to earth in human skin to die for us in our place, to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And he did it without sinning. He did it without sinning. And because he had known no sin, 
He was raised back to life again on the third day. And because he lives, we live. And, and he spent time with his disciples. They saw him. They fellowshiped with him. And then he ascended on high. And today, right now, as we're gathered here together, as we're looking into the word of God, as we're looking at ourselves from his vantage point as the bride, he's seated on the mercy seat. Amen? So that's who we are, and that's where we are right now. And when you believe that, and you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when you make that declaration, that moment of believing, your spirit is changed, transformed. Scripture says, born again anew on the inside. Hallelujah. And that begins this process. You know, that's not the finish of it. I don't know about you. I got saved, and I've had plenty of trouble since. <laughs> I got saved and have had plenty of trouble since. That's because my spirit has changed. I am born again anew by the power of the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. Alive. Amen. On the inside. In my most dead moment, my most difficult moment in life, I am alive on the inside. We all are. Hallelujah. If you've believed. Hallelujah. Transforming. But the next phase begins, what Scripture says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's in the soul realm. It's in the nature of your flesh, yeah. your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. I don't know about you, my mind, my will, my emotions. God, help me there. Help me there. I make decisions there. Oh, and as we walk out our salvation daily, he sanctifies us daily, daily. But you know, this process is not going to go on forever. There comes a glorious day where it's done. Oh, the troubles in your mind, the troubles in your emotions, the strain with your will. I know what's right to do, and I don't do it. God, help me. And then there's the, the flesh. Even our bodies are yet to be transformed. I'm sure you would agree. <laughs> I'm sure you would agree. And decay, once you get into your 30s, decay shows up in the mirror. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Call it wisdom, call it decay. It shows up in the mirror. So we got saved. It's an accomplished fact. We are today in a present process every day. You're in this present process. God working with you on your soul. Learning to shape your will toward him. Learning to re reframe the way that you think. Learning to impact your emotions that you'd not be ruled or overwhelmed by them. And then we have this future prospect, this sweet Relief that we see in Scripture that awaits us. And all of this story of us can be told to you in the context of the bride and the bridegroom, the husband and the wife. And so we're going to look at it today in Scripture. Hallelujah. Well, let's look at marriage in Scripture. Marriage in the Old Testament was there in plain sight, but it was also a type 
It was kind of hidden in plain sight. Paul refers to it as a mystery, uh, and things that were hidden in the Old Testament are revealed in the New Testament. And so we're going to look at a few of these. You might just want to write them down. Isaiah 62, 5 uh, refers to, as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so your God will rejoice over you. We see in the Old Testament, God will use this, this type of bride and bridegroom and wedding and, and union, two becoming one, one flesh. We see God uses it not only in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament as well. This oneness that is achieved. And of course, in Isaiah 62, 5, it's referring to Jerusalem there. But let's look in the New Testament. We see some references to Adam and Christ. Romans 5.14 says, Adam, who is a type of him who was to come, which is Christ. I want to talk a little bit about Adam and Christ. This is important for where we're going. 1 Corinthians 15.45, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit, Jesus Christ. Amen. Do you know when they crossed over at the Jordan River, as, the, as they were coming down, they were getting ready to enter in. It was time. They were going to cross into the promised land. They were going to step into the fulfillment of the promise, this next phase of their lives. As they were coming down, as the priest went to put his foot in the water, the water would dry it up, and he put his foot on dry ground, and they went across. Hallelujah. Remember, it was the priest who put his foot down. You know, God had planned long before he went to lay his weight upon that foot, he had stopped the waters at just the right time upstream at a place called Adam. This blew my mind last week. Hallelujah. There's a connection between Adam and Christ. Don't miss it. Jesus is our high priest, is he not? Hallelujah. Joshua means Yeshua, which means salvation. Joshua crossing and leading the high priest. And then you have Joshua, and they're crossing the river and leading into the promised land. And things got stopped up at Adam that made it possible. There's a mystery here. And we can't look at this mystery without looking at Adam and at Eve. This help meet made for him, just for him. 1 Timothy 2.14 says, Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. You know, those waters stopped up at Adam. What happened at Adam? Eve was part of him. Eve was from him. She was bone of his bone. She was flesh of his flesh. She was deceived and fell. Her light winked out, and then Adam looked at her. you got to remember, God knew all of this and had everything planned out from the beginning. Adam, looking at her, could have just gone, girl, you're in trouble. But he didn't. Christ came and he entered into our situation, did he not? He came into our situation. He died for our sins. He sacrificed everything for our sins. Amen? Trusting his heavenly father. Trusting him all the way through. Can you not imagine that Adam looked at her? He had walked, the two of them had walked with God in the cool of the evening. He knew she had disobeyed. He knew this was going to change everything, but because of that love, 
He had an unblemished love. He was thinking straight. His emotions were right. He looked at the situation. And because of love, he wouldn't leave her alone. There's a connection in Scripture between the first Adam and Christ. And we need not look away from it. You know, it goes on to say that Eve, after the fall, that women will be saved in childbirth. What a weird statement, huh? I mean, that's a weird statement. But you know what? Through Adam's and Eve's lineage, through Eve's giving birth, the whole line leading all the way to Jesus, the Messiah, was achieved. Hallelujah. The one who would come to set all things right. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. So this is a great mystery. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is not only a great mystery, it's also what we can learn about ourselves as we look at husband and wife. Let's uh, read through Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read... Verses, we'll, we'll start in verse uh, 22 to 33. It speaks to husbands and wives, but you can't read this without realizing there's a third chord in here, that Paul's put a, a third chord in here by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.32 says, This is a great mystery, but I speak of Christ in the church. But he's giving instruction to husbands and to wives. These two things are completely intertwined. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify, catch this, verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that he should, she should be holy And without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it. Just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body and his flesh and his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you, in particular, so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Do you see how it's completely intertwined? Completely intertwined there. This great mystery there in plain sight. I want you to pick out in verse 26 and 27, that, that Christ toward us is 
purifying us, cleansing us. He is presenting us, he is presenting us to himself. We will arrive before him without spot or blemish or wrinkle. Hallelujah. That means there's a whole lot of ironing out to be done here. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But it's he who does it. I think oftentimes we can tend toward being religious. There's a temptation to be religious in Christianity. The, this default nature to do things ourselves, And that's not of God. We are not to do it ourselves, but to do it with Christ. To do it with God. And he has given us help to do that. You know, we have to remember that he is faithful and true. We touched on it last weekend, Revelation 19, 11. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Jesus is faithful, and we can trust him in this. He's a good bridegroom. You know, we just took communion. Embodied in the Last Supper is an offer of marriage that would not have been lost to the disciples as they sat around the table. This is how a Jewish man in that time offered marriage to his wife, to his, the one he wanted. He would offer it to her. And if she accepted, well, there was a ransom price, a price that he would pay for her. Christ paid everything for us. He promised to pay it and has paid it in full. And if she accepted, then they would drink from a cup together and he would promise not to drink from that cup until the day that he drank it with her in, her father's, in his father's house. Amen? Sound familiar? And he would go away and they wouldn't see one another and she would wait. She wouldn't know what day or what hour he was going to come. But one night, in the middle of the night, after this guy's father had said, hey, the place you've prepared for is ready, you can go and get her. And then he and all of his friends, the friends of the bridegroom, they would come with their torches in the middle of the night and they would shout at her house from a distance and call her out. And then she, with her bridesmaids, who'd been waiting every night, every night with lamps and oil, would get up, light them, and they would go off into the night together. Very romantic. Hallelujah. Does this sound familiar? Oh, hallelujah. Marriage, romance, this extravagance of man and woman as God created them is not only beautiful, it's intended to instruct, to instruct us. It's throughout Scripture. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, let's look at First um, Thessalonians 5, verses 23 to 24. So now may God, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Do you see the three aspects of our redemption there? May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again, our bridegroom coming for his bride. God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. Again, 
the preeminent characteristic of God that applies in this situation is his faithfulness, not ours. Our faithfulness cannot be depended upon. It is his faithfulness that we must depend upon. So as we look at this present process, the area of our soul and, and then our future prospect, let's look at, at marriage, this relationship. Let's unpack it a little bit more between Christ, uh, the church, and Christ as the head of the church. Just write these references down. I'll, I'll read them to you. Ephesians 1, All things are under his feet and gave him, God gave him to be head over all things to the church. Jesus is the head of the church. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Jesus is the head. Jesus is the head of the church. Ephesians 4.15. We are to grow up into Christ's head. This redemptive process that we're going through, we're growing up. We're looking at his head. We've got to keep our eyes on Christ as the head of the church, but also of us individually. I'm responsible for me. I've got to keep my eyes on Christ, for he is my head. And you know what? As we look up to him, we don't look at the soles of his feet. We are not beneath his feet. We are not beneath his feet. We can kiss his feet. We can wash his feet with our tears at the cross. We see a woman at great expense anointing his feet. But we are not beneath his feet. No, that is not our place. Our destination is face to face. Keep our eyes on his headship. Colossians 1.18, he is head of the body of the church, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, he, that he may have be preeminent in all things. Jesus is not only preeminent in all things, he's done everything that's required for him to be preeminent in all things. Colossians 2.19, he's head from whom all the body is nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Everything you need to grow is available to you. Keep your eyes on Jesus as your head. Remember, he's preeminent in all things. It means he's preeminent over every situation that you're going through. He's preeminent over every need that you have. And he loves you with an extravagance. In reading those, we're talking about the love of God for the church. The love of God for the church. The love of a bridegroom for his bride. Oh, hallelujah. And that this was God's plan from the beginning is remarkable. 2 Timothy 1.19, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is God's plan. Husbands, if you need to get something right with your wife, if you have been ungentle to her, repent of that. Wives, if you've been dismissive and disregarded and ah, it doesn't matter what he says or what he thinks, you need to go and you need to repent of that. 
Sit with the word of God alone in prayer. It's time for husband and wife to get it right in the body of Christ. The world is tearing down what God has made. What God has put together, let no man tear asunder, and yet governments and the world are seeking to tear it down. You don't have to be married. You don't have to. Uh, you can just stay with someone as long as you like and then move on to the next one. This is not God's plan. This is not God's plan. Did you know that, that your brain, you should remain sexually inactive until you say, I do. And when you say, I do, God says, you get to, if you know what I mean. In this world today, people are running around, well, let's try it out before marriage. I'll try this one. I'll try that one. You know, I, I, that one worked pretty well. You know, I might stick with this one. Those things fade with age. In this fallen world, they fade with age. Oh, we've got to put marriage back in its rightful place. It's time for the church to be a shining example of what marriage is. Yes, you can clap to that. Hallelujah. Come on. You can clap to that. It's time. It's time. You know, God is cleaning up his church. Christ is the head of the church. And that this was his plan before the beginning of time will always fry my noodle. It will always. I'm just blown away by it. You know, God's provided. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work his good pleasure. You're born again. Yes, your soul's got a problem. Yes, your flesh tempts you at every turn, cookies and cream calling out to you in the middle of the night. I'm just letting you know what my sin was in the past. I'm free from it now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I really struggled there for years. Hallelujah. He has a good pleasure. <laughs> God has a good pleasure. And he's in you. For the born-again believer, he's in you. Hallelujah. To do his will. That you would be able to do his work. So we can look forward with great hope and eager anticipation because we are the bride. We are betrothed to Christ. If you are his, if you have accepted his offer, we are betrothed to him. You know, everyone who's engaged all going well, ends up married. Hallelujah. You know what? The second we accept his offer, we're his. He seals it. He locks in the deal. He locks it in. It doesn't feel like it sometimes, does it? But he locks it in. Romans chapter 8, verses 23 to 25. 23 to 24, sorry. And we believers also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of the future. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Can anyone say amen? Amen. amen. We long. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights. 
You notice he gives us our full rights. God gives us our full rights as adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised. No more cookies and cream. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we can look forward with this eager hope and we can be assured. We can be assured, 1 Peter 1, 5. And through faith, through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation. Come on. Don't get shaky in your believing. Don't get shaky in your trusting God. Don't get shaky. Don't start to doubt things because this verse right here, 1 Peter 1.5, is your antidote for doubt on a bad day when you're struggling. If you're struggling in sin, if you, if you confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Amen? Again, that's his. He does it. God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. You know, whatever is not accomplished in this life in terms of your sanctification, in terms of your ability to discipline your body, what Paul talked about, to discipline your body, to train it like an athlete who's training their body. No, I make my body do what I want to do because I'm following the will of God. Not my body makes me what it, do what it wants to do because it's following some other thing. Come on. Bodies are born with, with preset temptations and defaults and problems, hallelujah. And it's like having a monkey on your back. Feed that monkey once, it comes back for a full meal. Do you know what I mean? Drug addiction, alcohol addiction, pornographic addiction, all of these things. Pick an addiction. Gambling addiction. Back when I was painting, I was painting at one of the TABs, the Tabarets, and I was in there, and I thought I was going to lose my mind. I don't know how these people do it. They're, they're sitting in there suffering all day long. I saw mothers who took their children to, to school, dropped them off, came in, and, and, and then they had a couple of machines on the go, their favorite machines, and they spent all day long on the machines, on the machines, on the machines. And then roundabout school pickup time, I hear swearing here and swearing there, my kids this, my kids that. The next thing you know, they put a reserve thing on those machines they've invested so much in, and they get up and they go and pick their kids up. I kid you not, there was one mother that was back in 10 minutes. She came back. And with expletives, she explained how she had pulled up at the curb, told her kids, get in with a couple of expletives, drove them through the McDonald's drive-thru, dropped them off at the end of the driveway, and she went back to feed that monkey again. This goes on. It's addiction. And it can be the same pattern of abuse with any addiction. Pick any addiction. The patterns of neglect and abuse are the same. Pick an addiction. Hallelujah. But we don't have to live this way. This is not what we are called to live like. God has not called us to live like this. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 9 to 10 on your worst day. Grab this. Grab this. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. 
Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. Verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I'll read that one more time. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. That word masterpiece there is translated as poem, poeme. You are God's poem. You're like an artist. The Mona Lisa, whatever that guy's was, was it? I don't know, I don't know. What was the guy's name? Wrote, painted Mona Lisa. Leonardo. Leonardo, okay. It was Leonardo, you know, his masterpiece, or the Sistine Chapel. It's the pinnacle achievement. It's, it's, it's the pinnacle achievement of God. You are God's pinnacle achievement. You are his masterpiece, hallelujah. And you are a poem, poeme. How beautiful is that? Yeah, God's story for you is, is still being written and still being written for me as well. Hallelujah. Let's look at the end of our story because we see marriage again at the end as well. With this, I'll begin to just wrap up. Revelation chapter 19. Of course, we started with verse 11. That the one seated on the horse, on the white horse, is faithful and true. Is faithful first. But in the book of Revelation, we get this the apocalypse, the word Greek word for revealing. It is to reveal Jesus Christ. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ, the grand revealing. To die here, to die, here's what it's all about. Here it is. Have a look. Everything pulling back the curtain on heaven and seeing everything that's going on as God brings things to a conclusion with his full plan of salvation for mankind. Revelation chapter 19, uh, beginning in verse 6. John, Apostle John on the island of Patmos, writing here, I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Can you say that with me? Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has, been, has made herself ready. Woo! Hallelujah. Verse 8. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And then he said to me, Write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus 
is the spirit of prophecy. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Hallelujah. How beautiful. This day is when there's no more strife. Not for us. This is the fulfillment of the promise. The church that today might not be so glorious on this day is described as glorious. The glorious church without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. Hallelujah. What a blessed hope it is that we have. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, we sang, CJ had that song to sing, The End is Written was one line in there. Jesus Christ, my living hope. The end is written for us. Our end is written, and it's a good end. We're not staring up at the soles of Christ's feet. We're staring at his head. Husband and wife. Today we are the bride. But one day we will be the wife in complete union with Christ for all eternity. Hallelujah. 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 Let's, uh, let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for for your word. We thank you for sending the Son to die for us. We thank you for sending the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, as Jesus requested, to come to us. We thank you that we're alive today in this time. We just recognize you as preeminent in all things, Jesus. You are our high priest. You alone are the head of the church, your body. We thank you for for purifying us and for cleansing us. We thank you for your word that renews our minds, that stays and trains our emotions. We thank you that by the Spirit and the word you train even our hands for war, the war of faith, the good fight of faith. Lord, help us to fight only the good fight of faith. Lord, help us to only lay our hands to build what you would have us build. Help us to do your will, to know and to do your will. Help our marriages. Help our marriages. Help husbands to be like you, Jesus. Speak to them at night and in the early hours. And in those moments of frustration, speak to them. Oh, that they would bear all of the fruit of your spirit in Galatians. Your precious Holy Spirit. Love, peace, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, long-suffering. Oh, that they would be gentle with their wives. Lord, help, help wives 
to submit to and honor and follow the leading and encourage the leading of their husbands, Lord. Help this. Instruct us husbands to lead in righteousness, that we would lead better than we have before. We're so sorry. Just repent of having missed this mark. So sorry. Take a minute. If anything that we've covered today has stirred within your heart something you need to confess and make right with God, this is a great moment to do that. Every moment's a great moment, but this is a great one. Just take a moment. Lord, thank you. We thank you that your grace is sufficient, that you're faithful, and you're true to every word that you ever spoke. We thank you. We worship you. We want to worship you with our whole lives. We want to come further and further and further up into the fullness of Christ, of the very image of Christ, that we could be worthy of even the, the name Christian, little Christs in this world. Help us. Thank you. I give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Just as we worship or whatever is on CJ's heart to lead and do hallelujah um, if anyone needs prayer you can come forward if you want to linger for a while in prayer that's fine too hallelujah 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 thank you lord